0: Volume 1, Twilight of the Idols. When the moving image first began to circulate in the late 19th century, it wasn't as if stars suddenly popped up along with it. Audiences were mostly just fascinated with the technological marvel they saw before them. The moving image itself was the star. Even as cinema developed in the early 1900s, Huge, unwieldy cameras made it difficult to film anything other than a full-length shot. Because viewers couldn't see the actors face up close, it was difficult to develop the feelings of admiration or affection that we associate with film stars. Gradually, close-ups became more prevalent. Various actors became more recognizable. Fans began to know the stars' names. And slowly but surely audiences pieced together types associated with each star the hero the villain the damsel in distress the virtuous heroine it wasn't until the early 1910s however that stars as we understand them today came to be an actor with a recognizable type on screen A picture personality, accompanied by information about her off-screen, made available through the proliferating fan magazines. A star was the combination of her on-screen and off-screen selves, selves that complemented and amplified each other. An actor who played a cowboy on-screen would stable a horse just outside of Hollywood, A sporting heroine would fit in a game of golf between taking care of her children and cooking dinner. Crucially, these off-screen images were always squeaky clean. Women were married or seeking marriage. Men were eligible bachelors or devoted husbands. Throughout the 1910s, these narratives served a distinct purpose. To make Hollywood seem less scandalous. Because the film colony, as it was then called, was populated with young people, mostly poor immigrants, it was assumed that these actors, now flush with cash and lacking in so-called moral hygiene, would run wild. The logic of the time went something like this. If Hollywood was filled with a moral behavior, that self-same behavior would seep onto the screen, thereby corrupting the impressionable youth so irresistibly drawn to the picture show. To sustain their business, then, and calm the anxiety propagated by reactionary moralists, the studios collaborated with the gossip press to make the stars' lives seem squeaky clean. Working together, the studios, fan magazines, and gossip columnists painted a becoming believable portrait of the players on the screen. By providing details from actors' domestic, ostensibly private existences, studios enabled fans to feel as if they had access to the true, authentic star. Knowledge about the star's living room, dress purchases, or other patterns of conspicuous consumption became de facto knowledge about how he or she really was. In this way, Hollywood was able to convincingly suggest that the stars were without scandal. Until, that is, the stars started making decisions that no matter of fawning publicity could cover up. These cracks in the image of both the star and Hollywood as a whole provided a dim, shadowy peephole unto a new layer of the star. The scandalous, unspeakable, immoral core... But as will become clear, this period of salacious scandal in the early 20s did not sink the industry. Rather, it served as a catalyst for Hollywood to better manage its stars and their actions. The stars did not simply become less prone to scandalous behavior. The cover-up and management strategies simply got better. This pattern, the emergence of scandal, the subsequent emergence of techniques to manage it, has structured the dynamics of Hollywood for the past century. Sometimes scandal emerges due to a savvy new publication. Other times, it's a rebellious star with a lack of oversight. The means of release and the methods of containment may change, but the pattern endures. As we trace that pattern and how it adjusts with the cultural temperature, a vivid picture of the past American century begins to come to light.